Africa, home to the most unique people in the world. A place that connects us through our customs, traditions, and even belief itself. Join Mukundi Mudao in Tribal Pursuit, a series that ventures deep into Africa to discover the beautiful people that identify as Jewish. Join the conversation every Wednesday at 10 a.m. right here on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, this is Tribal Pursuit and I'm your dear friend Mukundi Mudao. Top of the morning. It is Wednesday the 9th of November 2022 and the time is 6 minutes past 10 as per usual. And once again, the year is almost over. Can you believe it? A couple more weeks, less than two months, a month and a half, tops. The year is over. Have you done what you wanted to, to accomplish? All those New Year's resolutions that you wrote on the 1st of January, have you accomplished any of them? None? If you've accomplished all of them, then congratulations. If you've accomplished, if you've accomplished none, don't worry. If, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. And if you accomplish just one, well, you did a lot more than most. So congratulations to you too. We are about to have some fun. This is Tribal Pursuit. You know how we do it. We're going to have some beautiful music, all from the beautiful continent of Africa. We're going to talk about some stories from Africa. And of course, I have a conversation with Sam Levy from Mozambique. Uh-huh. We speak in Portuguese today. I'm trying to learn Portuguese as well, you know, and the first step is learning to say Portuguese and not saying Portuguese. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be cooler and better than everybody else. While you speak Portuguese, I speak Portuguese. From there, we'll move on to Espanol, you know, it, it seems natural to move from Portuguese to Espanol. Anyway, I do hope you get in touch with me if you want to do that. 34519 is the SMS line. 061895 is the telegram line. On air at is how you email me and at highfm is how you tweet me. We're going to have a lot of fun today. Do stay strapped in. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Get your cup of coffee, get your water, get your tea. Or whatever you drink in the morning. I don't know. Everybody drinks something in the morning, right? Water, juice, green tea, green smoothies, kale. I don't know. All that stuff. This is Tribal Pursuit with Mukundi Mudao. Venturing deep into Africa to discover the who, how, and why of the beautiful people that identify as Jewish. 101.9 High FM, this is Trouble Pursuit and I'm your dear friend Mukundi Mudao. Top of the morning as you rejoice. Clap your hands da, 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 when you're dancing. That was Zex Bantwini with Clap Your Hands. And if you didn't dance to that, then I don't know. I would assume you don't have legs because otherwise you have no excuse. You can even use your hands, right? Anyway, time is 14 minutes past 10. I hope you're enjoying your Wednesday morning. My friend Gail says, Bomdai, dear friend. Brackets. That's good morning in Portuguese, I think. Is that right? I don't, I don't know. I don't think my Portuguese is there yet. You know what? Let's find out. Let's find out. We we have very smart friends at Google that speak every language and they can quickly check for us. Portuguese. Good morning. Bom dia. Hey, Gail, you are right on the money, my friend. Bom, bom dia to you too. <laughs> I guess that's Portuguese. Hey, I know how to greet in Portuguese as well. So we are making progress. Wait. Portuguese. There we go. So this is about that time where I teach, where I tell you what's happening in Africa. And I do hope that you're ready for some good news, some bad news, and everything in between. Starting off in Nigeria. Listen to this. Two TikTok stars in Nigeria's Kano State, who mocked a government official in Nigeria, have been sentenced to be whipped 20 times under Sharia law. Whipped. What? <laughs> I cannot believe this. 
Did I just read that? 20 times. Whipped. They're going to they're gonna get whipped. Why? Well, let me tell you. According to local media reports, Mubarak Issa Mohammed and Mohammed Bula allegedly insulted Abdullah Ganduja. Okay, these guys are going to have to start picking easier names because... I can't, I can't do this. My tongue is already, my, my tongue has abs from all this work that it's doing. Okay. So I can't, I can't keep doing this. Anyway, they allegedly insulted Abdullai Ganduje, governor of the northern state of Kano. Their video in which they mocked Mr. Ganduje for alleged land grabbing, corruption, and sleeping on the job was posted last week. Well, if that happened here in South Africa, everybody would have scars from those whips, wouldn't we? They posted the clip on TikTok and Facebook, and Mohammed, who is known as Unique Pickin Online, was arrested along with Mr. Bula. Their action was capable of disturbing public peace, according to prosecution lawyer Waha Wada Ahmed Wada. There is an easier name, thank you Wada, who said they had defamed the governor. Both men pleaded guilty and asked the judge for leniency. However, the judge ordered them to be given 20 lashes each and pay a fine of 10,000 naira, which is about 20 euros, 20 pounds, and clean the court for 30 days. No. So you're going to whip me? I have to pay 20 20 euros or 10,000. Is it euros or pounds? You know the currency symbols always get me. I only know the R. And obviously the dollar sign because it's so famous. But okay, let's let's go through that again. Twenty lashes, pay a fine of ten thousand naira, and you have to clean the court. Pick one, pick one. In my opinion, these guys didn't even do anything wrong, right? Because that's freedom of speech. If you're gonna whip me and beat me and punish me for saying what I feel and what I think about your leadership as a politician and as the governor, haven't you failed us? Haven't we all, haven't we been failed? Because what's the point of have, of having freedom of speech if you're not, if you're not allowed to practice it? Why should I get whipped? And I don't like the whipping, man. I feel like I'm, I'm too focused on the whipping because it makes no sense. It seems barbaric to me. If there's a fine to be paid, fine. Pay the fine. <laughs> fine, pay the fine. You know, if you gotta clean the court, that's your punishment, fine. That's okay. But now when we get violent and we're beating people up, where does it end? You know? It does it, I don't like it. I don't like it. And if it's just for a video that they posted, man, everybody would get in trouble then. So I think this is barbaric. I totally don't agree with it. And if they have a problem, they can come talk to me as well and we'll sit down and talk about it. Moving on to Zimbabwe. NASA rocket transports first ever Zimbabwean and Ugandan, and Ugandan satellites into space. I thought this was a big deal. This is pretty cool. Zimbabwe and Uganda have launched, have launched their first homegrown satellites into space yesterday aboard an NASA rocket. Zimbabwe's satellite nam- named ZimSat-1. <laughs> Great. 10 points for creativity and whoever named that. ZimSat-1 was designed and assembled by three of the country's scientists who were supported and trained in Japan. Uganda's satellite, the Pearl Africa Sat-1. Now you see... Uganda seems to know what's happening. You know, Zimbabwe was just like, hey man, it's a satellite, name it, name it Zimbabwean Satellite 1, ZimSat 1. Uganda said, this is our first satellite. Let's do something cool about it. And that's how we got Pearl Africa Sat 1. Ah, beautiful. It was also built by three of its own aerospace engineers and hoped that it will be able to set up its own command station to manage it. Once in orbit, the two satellites will collect images to help support research into weather forecasting as well as monitoring border security and disaster prevention of their their other country. For their countries, excuse me. This is pretty this is pretty cool. Space exploration has always been a big love of mine and the fact that African countries are now starting to get into it is amazing. However, with so many, with so many satellites in space, you get to wonder 
also where does it end? How many satellites can we have in space? Because we've already polluted space. Isn't that crazy? As human beings, we've managed to pollute space, a, a place where not even 1% of the population has been yet. But there is space junk. Because of all these satellites that we just leave up there, some of them never even come down. But we're not looking at the bad today. We are looking at the great news that Zimbabwe and Uganda both have satellites in the sky, or in space rather, in the atmosphere, lithosphere. I don't know the many spheres. I just know we fixed the ozone there. However, Zimbabweans are facing tough economic times. The launch was not without controversy and has provoked strong reactions on social networks. The, co the cost of the project was not disclosed. Launching a satellite when the economy is fragile is stupid. Poverty has increased in the last five years. You can't buy a car when your family's starving, said one of the people on social media. Zimbabwe has been in a deep economic crisis for the past two decades and remains under international sanctions. In September, the IMF announced that growth, for, growth forecasts were still down due to a drop in agricultural production. And I get what they're saying. People are too hungry to be focused on space, is basically what they're saying. And I do understand it. However... Correct me if I'm wrong. Don't governments have a budget for this every year for space exploration and research and science? Isn't that where they get the money? And sure, if there's money for research, why can't there be money for food? Well, they don't drop the budget. I'd like to know what you think. 34519 is how you SMS me. 0618951019 is the telegram line. On air at HiFM is how you email me. At HiFM.com is how you email me your opinion. And at HiFM is how you tweet me. I'd like to know what you think. Do tell me. Do you think countries that can't, well, countries that are in economic crisis can't actually afford or shouldn't actually, excuse me, shouldn't actually spend money on stuff like space, space exploration or animal conservation or anything of sorts simply because if your people are too hungry to do anything else then why are you giving putting all this money elsewhere i'd like to know what you think because i think research and science is, is very important but we can't put that above the needs of the people and i do understand i want to play devil's advocate for both so i don't want to i want to play play devil's advocate for the the exploration and the research and then somebody do tell me what what you think how the people are going to take it and how they're going to act i've been talking for a bit too much now time is 10 minutes 22 minutes past 10 101.9 high fm this is travel pursuit and i'm your dear friend mukundi mudao hope you're enjoying your, your wednesday morning and we're going to have a conversation with sam levy of the mozambican jewish community and he's been teaching me portuguese as well so <laughs> that's that's pretty cool 101.9 high fm this is travel pursuit and i'm your dear friend mukundi mudao top of the morning how beautiful was that was that that last song you see what i did there i had you dancing with zix Wandrini as you happy clap your hands and then i switched it up i had you in love now because you're saying closer what am i gonna do next you do not know what i do know though is that it's time for me to tell you my african proverb of the day and bestow some wisdom upon you like a good friend does every wednesday morning at 10 o'clock you know this by now <laughs> today's african proverb is the eye never forgets what the heart has seen Sounds kind of petty, doesn't it? Let's find out. The eye never forgets what the heart has seen. Meaning, when someone breaks your heart, it's impossible to forget what the person did. Anytime you see the person, actually. Now, figuratively speaking, the heart has eyes. To see what the heart is to know or understand with the heart. What you understand in your heart is difficult to forget. Thus, the safest place to keep your loved ones is in your heart. Of course, it doesn't mean you don't forgive people. Forgiveness is not the same as forgetting. 
If forgiveness meant forgetting, no one would be no one would be actually able to forgive. Forgiveness means even when you remember what happened, you don't use it against the person. And that is a proverb from Niger. The eye never forgets what the heart has seen. Beautiful. 1027 is the time on 1.9 High FM is the name of Tribal Pursuit is the name of the show. And I'm your dear friend Mukundi Mudao. If you want to get in touch with me, feel free to do so. 34519 is the SMS line. 0618951019 is the telegram line. On air at highfm.com is how you email me. And you can tweet me as well at highfm. All parties are considered here. Everybody is considered. So do get in touch with your friend. Tell me you're enjoying the show. Tell me how your Wednesday is going. We'll be back straight after this with a conversation with Sam Lee. From Mozambique. This is Tribal Pursuit with Mukundi Mudao, venturing deep into Africa to discover the who, how, and why of the beautiful people that identify as Jewish. 101.9 High FM, this is Tribal Pursuit, and I'm your dear friend Mukundi Mudao, top of the morning. We have a friend of the show today, straight from Mozambique, Mr. Sam Levy. Mr. Levy, how are you doing this morning? I'm well, thank you, and thank you for having me on your show. It's a pleasure to have you. It's a pleasure to have you, and thank you for making the time today. So I saw this name on the internet, and I'm not even going to try to say it. <laughs> it was in Portuguese, and it was very complicated. Could you please say it for me and also just tell me where it comes from and the history behind it? Well, the the community, the full name of the community is uh, Associação Honendalim, Comunidade Judaica de Mozambique. And it's, it's embedded in the name is some interesting history because uh, when the community was founded, it was uh, at a time in Portuguese colonial history. And of course, Mozambique at the time was a colony of Portugal mm. in which it was quite uh, complicated to be, to have any organized faith besides the Catholic faith, right? Mm. And so the community was not organized as a synagogue per se or as a religious community per se, but as a mutual support society. And honendalim in, in Hebrew means support for the poor, right? Mm-hmm. So we all, we've always kept the name honendalim. There has long been a, a honendalim dimension to our identity because when we got refugees in the community from uh, from Europe in the Second World War or other needy uh, people, part of the job of the community was to support them. But in fact, it's the umbrella for the Jewish community in Mozambique and, and has been for uh, in different incarnations for many years. In different incarnations throughout the years. And could you please tell me the history of your community? Besides just people helping each other out, who started the community and how did you grow to where you are now? Yeah, okay. Also an interesting history and, and very closely connected with South Africa. So uh, you got to go back to the 19th century and okay. to the um, the gold, the discovery of gold on, uh, on the Rand, right? And um, Maputo, which was then Lourenço Marques, capital of uh, Portuguese uh, Mozambique mm-hmm. uh, was the port city through which uh, gold left South Africa and through which all of the inputs to mine gold in South Africa came. So it was a boom town, right? Mm-hmm. And some Jewish people came here to do business and uh, gradually they got together into a community. Now, they weren't formally organized until 
I think it was 1899, when the chief rabbi of, of, well, he was the chief rabbi of South Africa at the time, uh, Rabbi J.H. Hertz, right? Yeah. Very famous, uh, commentator of, and, and organizer of the, um, editor of the Hertz Chumash, as it's called, used in, in many synagogues the world over for, for many decades. Uh, he was deported from South Africa, um, s- uh, specifically from, from the Transvaal, as the Boer Republic of Transvaal. He was deported at the time of, of the Boer War because uh, he was the big supporter of the English and of uh, of Queen Victoria. And when he came through Maputo, Lorenzo Marques was then, and, and he met all the Jews there, he said, you people need to get organized. You need to formally establish a community. And so they did. They, it was kind of the the, um, uh, the spark, if you will, that motivated people to get formally organized. They, they started Honendalim, and they finally built the synagogue and inaugurated it a little bit later, 1926. But uh, certainly within the, how shall I put it, with the benefit of Rabbi Hertz's encouragement. And it's, you know, it's been, it's grown and, and shrunk since that time. But uh, it was returned after being nationalized, was returned to the Jewish community in 1989. And we restarted services and restarted uh, Jewish life, organized Jewish life in the country. And then we, the building itself, we uh, rebuilt from the ground up in 2013. So the building looks exactly as it did in 1926, but almost everything in it is actually uh, new material. Wow. And I was actually going to ask about the synagogue because I saw that it was abandoned for a while and used as a warehouse. How was it rebuilding the synagogue and getting the community back together to where you are today? Yeah, I wouldn't say it was ever abandoned. The property was nationalized. Hmm. Um, so the government held it for some years. The, the government used it as a – well, they gave it to the Red Cross – and the Red Cross used it as a warehouse. Uh, it was next door to the Red Cross headquarters in Maputo. And then, you know, it was a group of Jewish people from South Africa, uh, among them uh, Stan Hoffman, who uh, talked to their friend Alcus Macropolis, based in Maputo, and said, you know, is there any chance of getting the synagogue back? And Alcus uh, went to the government and talked to the prime minister, and the prime minister said, yeah, sure, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was really easy in the end to to have <laughs> just it restored, like that. just like that. Well, you know, uh, when the, we have a saying, when you're when you're trying to do a mitzvah, uh, you get special help from above, right? Mm-hmm. So Alkis obviously had special help to to make it happen. Uh, Stan was obviously very important in that too. But um, the synagogue was returned. Of course, it was in terrible condition, um, but uh, and the community had or less scattered. So when I first showed up to the in community life, it wasn't at the very beginning, but in 1993, the only observance we had at the synagogue was on Saturday afternoons, Shabbat afternoon, mm. people would get together and they would sing, they would sing uh, folk songs. And that was, that was it. And, and from that, and it was, believe me, in terms of Kavanaugh, in terms of sincere feeling, nothing, few prayers I have ever attended surpassed those folk songs on Saturday afternoon. 
But from there, the first steps were taken to, to observe the Chagim, right? So there was then, from then on, there was a Seder yeah. every year in Maputo at Pesach. And um, eventually, you know, we had really good leadership, uh, Larry and Diane Herman, an, an American couple who were really instrumental in, in rebuilding, um, got involved and we started having services on, on Shabbat. And, you know, then we built from there and we had a Hebrew school for the children every Sunday morning uh, for a while and uh, up to COVID. <laughs> COVID was a bit of a blow to, to community life, but we're still, you know, it's a blow from which we're all, all of the Jewish world is recovering. All of the world is recovering. And, sure. you know, we're, we are hopeful that, uh, uh, our community will continue to, to thrive, small as it is, and be a source of blessing to, to the Jewish people and, and all the Mozambican people of which we're part. And how is the community? I heard you say that it's a very small community. How many people are there and what's the current state of affairs? Yeah, well, it's, uh, the numbers are small, but as you know, in, um, Jewish life, we don't really count numbers. <laughs> That's not the, the big thing. It's, it's a, it's a quality over quantity. Mm. But, uh, you know, if I had to, if I had to count, um, I, we might be at this point, maybe 50 people in the community, wow. but we're always discovering more. And it's a community where you have the people who are permanent in Maputo. Okay. And people who come through, right? They're okay. either there for two years or three years as diplomats or as, as business people. And, you know, as Mozambique grows and thrives, uh, our hope is that the Jewish community will, will be a part of that and will also grow and thrive. And how is community involvement? You know, given that Judaism is a religion where everybody has a role to play and we have to help each other, you know, one hand washes the other. How is community involvement with you guys? Well, I mean, with a community this small, and this is true in all over Southern Africa. I mean, the Jewish communities are modest in numbers, mm. right? Um, for community affairs to to proceed, everyone has to take a role. You have, if you want it done, <laughs> step up and, and get involved and do it is kind of the base, base of it. But that said, uh, thank God when, when there are people who are keen on Jewish life, uh, thriving, there's a very good response, uh, from the Jewish people in the, in the town. So, um, you, you have to be sure that, you know, extra phone calls, ask people to do things. Would you, you know, sponsor this? Would you organize this? Would you, Prepare study materials for this or that, whatever it ha- whatever holiday or whatever occasion it happens to be. And, uh, you know, people step up. So a small community life is like that. Every, you have to in- involve people, otherwise it doesn't happen. That's beautiful. And I saw that there was a time in the 80s where Judaism kind of came to a halt and this somewhat played a role in your synagogue being nationalized and everything. But why did Judaism come to a halt in the eighties only to make a resurgence in the nineties? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, look, uh, their halt, Judaism never comes to a halt. That's the Touché. terms. <laughs> what happens is observance can wane or organized Jewish life can wane. And yeah. that's, that's what happens. 
I mean, there was a policy in, after the revolution in Mozambique, religion in general was discouraged, right? It's very ironic because, uh, and misplaced because Mozambique is a very deeply religious society. People in, in, in Mozambique are, uh, how should I put it? Religion is, is central to their identity, their own particular religions and respect for religion in general. Uh, across uh, faith lines is very strong, but it was an unusual period after independence and and with aspirations to socialism and maybe learning at the at the table of people who didn't respect religion. That at the time, religion was discouraged, right, and it was classified as obscurantism. So uh, other faiths were also discouraged. It was nothing particularly. Uh, extraordinary about Judaism. It wasn't singled out at all. Um, and that sort of anti-religious sentiment began to dissipate. And the natural Mozambican character of, of um, uh, warmth and respect for faith uh, reasserted itself by the end, by the time the Civil War was, was winding down in Mozambique. So by the 90s, you know, all those, those uh, older tendencies had had, uh, had dissipated, and people could go back to the way they really were and felt. Mm. And I would assume this was a time of great celebration for everybody, yourself included. Yeah, uh, it was. We had so many wonderful moments, right? The uh, the satyrs, all the satyrs were so beautiful. We had the first uh, uh, bar mitzvah. To be celebrated in Maputo in many decades. Um, we had the first bat mitzvah and then it became kind of a not, I can't say <laughs> annual thing, but mm. you know, repeated, right? So we, we got to know what we were doing, but every time, uh, you know, you, you have a community milestone like that, religious or, or otherwise, um, it's very deeply inspirational to the people who, who participate. So yeah, it's, that's, that's definitely true. Great moments. And I actually have a question that I meant to ask you. It just completely slipped my mind when you were talking about the synagogue earlier. But your community, Sefer Torah, was taken and brought to South Africa for safekeeping. It was only until 2013 when the synagogue was rebuilt that you actually brought the Sefer Torah back to Mozambique. How was that experience for you, actually being there? And I'm pretty sure this was your first time seeing it as well. Yes, a, a, a great um, community life moment, our Achnasad Sefer Torah ceremony. And the people who, who organized this uh, were Rabbi Moshe Silverhoff of the African Jewish Congress mm-hmm. and uh, Mrs. Ann Harris, right? um, the widow of uh, Rabbi Cyril Harris, who had originally gotten that particular Sefer for the, for the community. So the Achnasad Sefer Torah, was, it was time to coincide with the reinauguration of the building. So it was a real, um, you know, Chanukat Bayit. It was a, a, uh, inauguration of the house and mm. right, a renewal of the house, uh, in, in the classic sense. And it was a beautiful occasion, very powerful. And just to give you a sense of how broadly powerful it was, the keynote address, um, at the Hachnasat uh, Sefer Torah was given by Sheikh Aminuddin who's the head of the Muslim community mm. in Mozambique, right? 
So it was a moment of great Jewish joy. It was also a moment of great interfaith joy um, to see the Sefer Torah back in its place in uh, in the synagogue in, in the hour and in Maputo. This is Trouble Pursuit on 11.9. Hi, FM. I'm your dear friend, Mukundi Mudao, and we are talking to a friend of the show, Mr. Sam Levy, straight from the Mozambican Jewish community. We're learning a lot, and if you're enjoying the conversation, do let us know. 34519 is the SMS line. 061-895-1019 is the line. If you want to email me, feel free to do so on air at highfm.com. And if you want to tweet me, you can just at highfm. Let me know if you're enjoying the conversation. Let me know if you're not enjoying the conversation conversation you just want to say hi to me or our friend of the show then <laughs> do that too you know <laughs> 101.9 high fm tribal pursuit is the name of the show we'll be back straight after this this is tribal pursuit with mukundi mudao venturing deep into africa to discover the who how and why of the beautiful people that identify as jewish 101.9 High FM. This is Trouble Pursuit and I'm your dear friend Mukunimudao. Top of the morning. We're still talking to a friend of the show today, Mr. Sam Livy from the Mozambican Jewish community. There's another name for it, but he said it earlier on. If you didn't get it, listen to the podcast because I'm not going to bite my tongue trying to say it. If you have any questions for him, however, 34519 is how you send them via email. 061-895-1019 is how you send it via telegram. If you want to email your question on air at highfm.com. And if you want to tweet, feel free. We got you at highfm and we'll get to your messages. So, Mr. Sam Levy, you mentioned that there was a lot of interfaith joy when you were bringing back the Sefer Torah and opening your synagogue again. So from what I'm gathering, it's very peaceful in Mozambique for Jewish people. But as you may know, it's very hard being Jewish. It's very hard being Jewish in the world. There's hate and scrutiny everywhere. But you guys seem to be doing very well. How is your interaction with the other communities, the Muslim community, the Christian community, all throughout Mozambique? Oh, interaction with other communities here uh, is extremely positive. We uh Mozambique is very committed to interfaith dialogue as a as a culture. It might be in part because of our legacy of of how what a collective role uh, religious communities played in ending the civil war. But whatever the origin is, is a very strong affirmative Commitment to, uh, tolerance and mutual understandings. Mm. Uh, so religious, interfaith religious events are, are frequent, right? People are welcome in the houses of worship of other faiths and are warmly received when they decide to visit and, and, uh, attend services. Um, there's a genuine interest in understanding how other people conduct their, their uh, religion, uh, what their beliefs are, and a, and a great deal of, of tolerance. And it's, I think it's one of the most beautiful distinguishing qualities of Mozambican society and, and something from which others, I, I hope, uh, can learn. And how's the Portuguese or the Mozambican influence on the community? By that, I mean, I'll make an example with the South African Jewish community. The South African Jewish community loves Kurt Darren, even though I'm yet to meet an Afrikaans Jewish person. Kurt Darren is probably the biggest Afrikaans musician we have in the country. But the Jewish community just loves Kurt Darren. What is it in 
the Jewish community in Mozambique that just is part of the community, but is not part of Judaism, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting question because, you know, in Jewish, in Jewish practice, we always distinguish between, uh, halakha, uh, and minhag, between law and custom. Mm-hmm. And law is, um, interpretable, but fundamentally immutable, uh, whereas custom is uh, broadly changeable and responsive to people's needs. So community, from the time of its inception in the 19th century, has always been a very uh, a community of mixed traditions because the people who came to Mozambique, the Jewish people who arrived in Lorenz March and then who continue to arrive in Maputo today, are coming from the most varied origins, right? Um, some are Sephardic, some are Ashkenazic, English-speaking, Portuguese-speaking, neither <laughs> French-speaking. Uh, we get people from all over. Mm. So we have in, in Mozambique a very um, a practice. Uh, we call it Nusach Maputu, right? The, the Maputu melody, if you will, or a, a Maputu liturgy. And you know, it's recognizable to anyone if you go to our Kabbalat Shabbat service, it's a standard Kabbalat Shabbat service. But the, the songs that we sing, the, the, the way we interact, uh, is, is probably distinct to Maputu. It's a mixture of uh, mostly, it's mostly Hebrew, mm. but some Portuguese and some English because we, we want to make sure like that everyone can follow something. And we don't daven from a sitter. We daven from a, a booklet that has four, uh, mostly four columns in it, as it were. One is uh, the Hebrew, uh, the Portuguese, the English, and the transliteration of the Hebrew. So that uh, everyone is literally on the same page in their language of choice. Right, and if they don't know the Hebrew, if they can't read Hebrew, they can still read the translation so they can learn all the songs. And then join in. So it's a very musical, uh, and, and, uh, happy service because, and that's just the tradition that's developed there. And that's unique to your community. I think that might be unique to us. It might well be. <laughs> yeah. I've certainly never heard of it. <laughs> and speaking of all these languages, what's the main language of instruction there? Is it English or Portuguese? That's both. I mean, it depends. We, we try and make everything accessible based on people's needs. We're very strong because we get people from all over, right? Mm. Um, our, our duty is to serve the Jewish community. So we're going to do our best in whatever language they, they need to be reached, right? Is covered by English and Portuguese. And there'll occasionally be people who, you know, don't have either and we struggle a bit. Mm. But for the most part, you know, if, if you're asked to read something, for instance, on, on, uh, on Friday night, uh, one of our responsive readings, you're asked to read in the language of your choice. Wow. So it doesn't matter if the other person doesn't understand what you're saying, because at the end of the day, you gave them all these other options to choose from, right? All these other languages. Exactly right. Exactly right. So <laughs> I want to talk about food. Let's talk about food for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to make me hungry, but okay, go ahead. <laughs> I just wanted to ask, do you follow kashrut? And in terms of your meat, who does the slaughtering? 
Mm. Well, we don't have any, we don't have a shochet, right? Mm. So, um, for kosher meat, we basically go to South Africa. And, uh, the people at Kosher World in Johannesburg are just, you know, what we call Oruso Brazil in Portuguese. They're, they're gold on blue, <laughs> which is the Portuguese, cold Portuguese way of saying really great. Mm. Because whenever we have, especially on Pesach, last few years of COVID, we did it a little differently. Mm. Um, but traditionally, you know, we make an order and, uh, and, you know, one of our friends takes it across the border. And when there's, uh, families that need, that do, uh, observe kashrut and need, uh, kosher meat, we, we almost always get it from South Africa. Wow. So everything else you can get in Mozambique, but the meat in particular you have to get in South Africa. That's right. We don't, we, we don't have a shochet and never have had a shochet here. But you know, interestingly, <laughs> uh, we are very good friends with, uh, Rabbi Eli and Razel Rosenfeld, the uh, Rabbi and Rebetzin in, uh, in Portugal. And they came to Portugal from America and they came to visit us in Maputo. And they said, you know, it's a lot easier to keep kosher in Mozambique than in Portugal, or at least was at the time, because so many of the products, so many of the groceries in, in, um, available in Maputo are from South Africa. And so they come with a hechsher. Uh, so you can walk down the aisles and fill your cart with hechshered products in, um, in Maputo, which you can't, certainly can't do in an average supermarket in, uh, in Lisbon, say. In some respects, it's, it's a lot easier because of our proximity to, uh, to Johannesburg and to South Africa generally. Yeah, it certainly doesn't hurt. I remember talking to a member of the Tanzanian Jewish community and he was saying that he was absolutely shocked by how much kosher food there is here in South Africa. We are spoiled for choice. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> this is this is a phenomenon where you don't, you know, when you're in a small and distant Jewish community, mm. I mean, you can that, take your observations about, well, the Tanzanian experience with seeing what spoiled for choice in kosher food and extrapolate that to so many other different contexts. Because the, the ability to, to daven in a minion, right? It, it, it's, it's not something you can take for granted in small communities, right? So the, it, for, for us, when, when we go out of, of Mozambique and, and get a minion in a place, it's very inspiring. It's very special. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of things where, you know, size, your small size is a, is a real disadvantage as well. But you know you make do with with you, you make do the best you can with what the resources you have. This is Tribal Pursuit with Mukundi Mudao, venturing deep into Africa to discover the who, how, and why of the beautiful people that identify as Jewish. One hundred one point nine High FM. This is Tribal Pursuit, and I'm your dear friend Mukundi Mudao. Top of the morning. You just heard a conversation between me and Mr. Sam Livy of the Mozambican Jewish community. Unfortunately, we are out of time, but the good news is you can still listen to the whole conversation on our website. Just go to highfm.com under Tribal Pursuit, and you will find the whole conversation there. And while you're there, don't just listen to that. We got a bunch of great shows on High FM that I'm sure you'll enjoy, and we podcast them just for you. So do enjoy that as well. 
Time is 10.58 unfortunately That means Craig wants me out of studio And it is my time to say goodbye to you I hope you enjoyed the show I hope you had a great Wednesday morning And you will continue to have a great Wednesday morning Your coffee is finished Your kale or your shot of whiskey Whatever you were drinking during the show is finished And you had a great time with your, with your friend Mukundi Mudao Let's do this again in 7 days Craig is in the studio pressing all the buttons I'll be here looking pretty and talking to you And we will have fun once again I'd not leave you alone I'll leave you with Leon John on saying mabasa for the next minute and as always until next time enjoy the rest of your day